Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The panel. Jamie Wall and James Regan join us this morning on the panel. And James, uh, can I start with you, please, and those wonderful warriors. I mean, let's just forget all about that pasting from the storm because, man, a lot of people said they'd bounce back. There were a lot of doubters, but they got it done in the end. Yeah, they just they keep it going and they, they just go from the blind to ridiculous, don't they? It was great that they got the win. Um, great that the way they did it as well because last year they probably... They, they would have faded in that game. I think the Raiders probably would have overpowered them a bit, but they got it done. It'll be great for their confidence to get that win, and as I say, the way they did it. But uh, yeah, there's still a bit of work to do. But to come back from a from leaking seventy points like they did on Anzac Day, um, yeah, it, it's great. It's great to see, and hopefully they can kick on. Yeah, we were feeling sorry for Nathan Brown and. I mean, no one wears his heart on his sleeve more than Ricky Stewart. And uh, while he stepped down quite calmly from his coach's box, you could kind of see the, the, the smoke just starting to come out of his ears. Yeah, I think he summed the game up best when he, he said something like, I'm glad they were as bad as we were, or, or something similar. It was, it was um, a crazy game, which is why we keep coming back to watch. Um, but yeah, poor old Ricky, I mean... Man, they, they've not had the rub of the green this year. I don't think the Raiders. They, they've come up with a couple of um, couple of games they probably look back on and, and know they could have won. But that's what makes the game so exciting. And, and for Warriors fans, it'll be great. Um, you know, SJ again coming up pretty clutch, which is great. That's why they brought him back to the club. Keep going back to, to that point. That's it's why they brought him back. He's such a key cog. And he didn't have a great game. I think he'd probably be the first to say that. But... Um, he got it done, and, and two points is really at this stage of the season, especially all that matters. But yeah, poor old, poor old Ricky. James, what, James, what did you make of the uh, performance of uh, Dejan Asi first up? Yeah, yeah, really good. I think it was. It's been well highlighted, and a great bit of business as well to to see he was available to pick him up. He's a young Kiwi lad. I'm sure we've all seen the picture of him uh, in the stands as a young ten year old Warrior fan, kind of waving the flag and looking out. And now he's back and. and you know, it's a great it's a great story. He certainly held his own. Uh, Nathan Brown spoke after the match about it. he wouldn't have had any time to do any training or any kind of combinations and to just go in and, and slide in there. Uh, he didn't look out of place at all, so it was really good to see. And, and yeah, a great a great pickup from the club as well. So they should be uh, commended on that for kind of taking that opportunity, especially off the back of it looks like Ash Taylor won't be playing again. So to get someone like that in, um, yeah, it's mm. a great bit of business. Jamie Wall, good morning to you. And uh, it's the Monday after a weekend of realisation that 
uh, we might not be as crash hot against Australia as we thought that we were. Is that the way you see it, uh, or was that just uh, an anomaly weekend? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Uh, good morning, Jimmy. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I remember the last time we chatted, I remember saying that I've seen enough bad rugby out of the Hurricanes and Highlanders uh, so far this year to, and enough good rugby out of the Brumbies and Reds um, to, to see that the, those teams would you know, would be quite close when they when they played each other. Uh, I, I, ca- I can't say I predicted that um, Crusaders uh, result, uh, even though that's not actually uh, that that uh, um, far away from what happened in uh, 2018 uh, when the Crusaders rested a whole bunch of players and the Waratahs came out and um, stunned them uh, in that game, just like they did on Saturday night. But um, I think that if there's one surprise this year, it has been the Waratahs uh, with a very young squad um, doesn't have as many big names as they usually do over their history that they've come out and been uh, quite the um, quite the power in, in the Australian competition. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, there's some definite problems uh, at the Hurricanes, uh, and they were showing up uh, in that game yesterday afternoon, um, One of the main one being uh, lack of consistency in selection. Uh, which is which is something that I think is uh, is something that New Zealand rugby fans are probably wondering about the All Blacks uh, right now. Um, and in terms of like just how uh, whether it's a New Zealand playing badly thing or an Australian playing well thing, it's, it's probably a combination of both. Um, both of the games on Friday were pretty forgettable, and um, the 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 poorer that uh, the standard of play is, the more it's going to suit um, the Australians. Is it the sign that uh, the campaigns are sort of getting on a bit? You know, you've got to remember that we've been going now for quite a while, uh, and the, you know the the New Zealand teams are into a spot of having to rest and rotate um, their players. So there's a bit of that as well. Um, but I think on the whole that you're seeing uh, the Brumbies um, in particular. Uh, you know, you would have to have to have underestimated them at your peril because they're stacked full of really good players. Uh, and they're like I said last time, there are good Australian players across the teams. And if they have a good day and the New Zealand teams have a bad day, uh, there's not too much of a gap that the New Zealand teams are going to be able to um, uh, close up on that. If you look at the Brumbies, and one of the things we talked about uh, this morning with Jim Kays is uh, the fact of the matter is uh, our coaches need to take a good long look at themselves as well because the tactics are obviously getting very predictable. Our discipline side of things is not poor, so... What are we teaching in terms of tackling strategies and techniques, etc.? cetera? Uh, but uh, the Brumbies are coached by Dan McKellar. Now, if there was a successor um, at the moment, you would think to Dave Rennie, not that there has to be at the moment, but uh, it would be Dan McKellar. And, of course, Laurie Fish has been around since the arc. Uh, the Brumbies are well stacked there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't really understand this uh, conversation about why there needs to be a successor put in place for Dave Rennie right now. He's only been in the job for, what, two seasons uh, and he's the sort of guy that they want to keep in there for at least another couple of World Cup cycles. So I, I, I'm not sure why. I, I guess it's the Australian media just looking for a story and pitting McKellar against Brad Thorne uh, in that space uh, just to kind of generate some headlines. But to me, it, it's, it's a, it's, there's no, there is no story. Rennie's in no danger of losing his job or leaving. So, um, yeah, not sure really why we're even sort of talking about that mm. but at the same time I will say one thing about Dan McKellar he's sla- he's, he's slaved away with uh, sort of a, a bit of a battler side for a while and he's finally now um, getting the results out of a team that is has kind of shifted away 
I think from what we understand is as traditional Brumbies rugby, which is uh, you know quite tight, uh, pretty conservative, uh, and they've got some really good outside backs that they're using, um, and we're seeing a lot of good tries uh, out of them, and they do have. Uh, one of the better home ground advantages uh, in in Super Rugby, which is uh, you know their, their stadium in Canberra, because let's face it, who who wants to go to Canberra and play there? Uh, and uh, they're only getting 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 stronger. So, like I said before, um, they're a really impressive side, and I'm really interested to see how they're going to go uh, for the rest of the season. Jamie Wall and James Regan are with us this morning on the panel. We will take a short break for the news when we come back. Uh, look at perhaps um, women's rugby. Our Black Ferns are uh, back where they belong in finals action. Um, and also uh, we might have a chat to James about uh, what's happening in golf around the world this morning because we have two players in severe in severe contention. Stephen Olker leading with six holes to go. Lydia Ko co-leading with about nine holes to go. So uh, could be more golfing glory, Kiwi golfing glory, which is cool considering we don't have that many participants on those uh, PGA tours, respectively, around the world. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall, James Regan with us this morning. And, uh, James, not surprising, really, that uh, the women's Black Ferns have got up to speed that quickly. Uh, In the grand final against Australia, very shortly, their first first tournament back. And uh, what what they say about... uh, class is permanent, uh, simply that does apply to them, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's so good to see after everything that's kind of gone on over the past few months um, with the Blackburns 15s, to see the Sevens girls get up and, and just straight away kind of assert their dominance. It's really cool. Um, really good build-up for the Commonwealth Games, which I know they were um, they were talking about a bit before they left. And just getting on the road again, it's, you know, it's a huge part of their, their lives, is just being on the circuit and playing and going to all these these cool places and to see them finally get back out there after a couple of years away um, because of COVID and, and to, to, yeah, hit the ground running. Portia Wardman as well, how amazing is she? What an ambassador for the for, for New Zealand rugby as well, um, reaching that milestone. So, yeah, great to see and a, a team we can all get behind. It's really cool. And what I like about the appointment uh, of Alan Bunting, uh, Jamie Waller, which was uh, announced a little earlier last week, uh, was because the exact area they've put him in seems to still be exuding from the sevens. Uh, that culture, um, you know, th- that leadership, which is quite clear within that sevens group. Uh, Sarah Hirini is just fantastic in that role. And it doesn't matter how far or how long away you are from that particular group, as soon as you step back in it, it's just situation normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just quickly, just want to echo what Jimmy just mentioned there, uh, Portia Woodman, what a player uh, has, has to go down as one of our greatest players, New Zealand rugby's greatest players of all time. Um, you know, she is probably getting on uh, a, a wee bit, but seeing her in action today uh, just goes to show that, you know, the pace is still there, um, the power is still there, and uh, to cross the 200 tries, uh, that is just an absolutely phenomenal uh, achievement for the Blackfin Seven. So well done to Portia. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Um, the environment that and culture that was created uh, and then bought into um, by that team and by Alan Bunting and that and the the staff uh, that they had around them uh, is clearly 
uh, so easily adaptable and such a big part of not just the team, but the actual players' lives uh, themselves, obviously. Um, and just seeing these social media comments that have been put out by some of the key players about how just relieved they are to be back doing their jobs and representing the country and just getting back to normality, which for them is to step on a sevens field and win. Uh, and that is the reality of, of, what, of what their lives are, is, is incredibly uh, refreshing because it's so professional um, and it's also so, so fulfilling, not just for them, um, but for all the rest of us as well. Um, bit of an asterisk, though, about the Blackfoot Sevens and their success, I have to say, is that obviously now the focus for this team um, and its key players is on the Commonwealth Games and the Sevens World Cup. And this is going to have a knock-on effect uh, for the women's 15-a-side uh, Rugby World Cup uh, coming up later in the year because you'd have to think now, uh, you know, there are a number of key players that are, are, are probably in line to be doing both. Uh, but where their priorities lie right now, like in terms of what what's winnable um, and what's, uh, you know, what they want to get out of this year. So it's, it's kind of an interesting conversation um, to be having uh, because it seems right now that the the more that the Blackfern Sevens uh, do well, it, it is kind of going to erode the uh, the build up uh, for the Blackfern's Fifteens team, which is obviously you know starting almost again from scratch uh, as we speak. And, and you weigh that up against the fact that they've got so many match winners, though. That's that's the key thing, uh, Jamie. I, I'm not sure if you uh, caught England versus France in the Fifteens uh, final and the Six Nations. Uh, England, I wouldn't say it was the greatest game of rugby I saw, but I don't think England were ever in danger. They are powerful up front. Yeah, I did watch it, actually, um, and you're right. Uh, it was uh, it was very much a game of one team playing to their strengths, which is to hold their discipline um, and kick to the corner and do line-out drives and kick the penalties, uh, which, you know, shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us because that's the way the English men have been playing for 150 years, so why wouldn't their woman do it? Uh, and I think that they really put a market down as to, okay, if you want to win this World Cup, because they're clearly the favourites right now, uh, this is what you need to not only uh, come up against, but you need to solve the problem of how do you how do you beat that? And at the moment in men's rugby, you know, this is a big discussion. is like, oh, well, line-out drives are impossible to defend. Um, they seem to be impossible to defend in women's rugby as well. And there's only one team that's really... Well, I, I guess France have committed to it as well. But if I was Wayne Smith, uh, I would be literally spending about 99% of my time uh, with the Ford Pack saying, figuring out ways of how to stop that happening. And the best way to do that is to stop giving away penalties in the first place that give uh, big Ford Packs like the English um, the sort of field position they need to start launching drives like that. So... That's the key one for me, uh, and how how the Black Ferns 15s team is going to uh, possibly be able to beat them um, uh, later in the year. James, I mentioned before, uh, it's been a pretty good weekend for New Zealand golf. Ryan Fox, a top 10 finish. Um, and uh, we're now looking at Lydia Coe, who was uh, sharing the lead with uh, 10 holes to go in the latest LPGA event, and Stephen Alka, who still holds the lead with about four holes to go in the Champions Tour. Well, we punch above our weight, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and these guys are really starting to have some good form as well. And in, in terms of Ryan and Lydia, especially Steve, has, has kind of dominated the Champions Tour for a wee while now. 
um, which is great. It kind of draws attention to something a bit different in the Champions Tour. Um, but, yeah, constantly kind of up there at the moment. Lydia especially, it's great to see her um, back in the, in the top 10 finishes that she's been this year. And she's right up there today. Hopefully she can she can kind of pull something out of the bag and, and kick on for the rest of the year. But, yeah, our, our golfers really just making a name for themselves, which is awesome. Well, she's... Uh yeah, you know, she's number three in the world now, which is quite incredible because she just disappeared off the face of the earth there for a while, reinvented herself, and uh, you know, even at the tender age or whatever she is now, um, I, f- I forget. It's either twenty-two or twenty-three, I think. Uh, she just—it's quite—it's absolutely quite a staggering story, her life story. Um, I, I did want to ask you about this, James. Uh, a lot of talk about refereeing across the board in, in both rugby and league, but I, I've got to say at the moment. I just, and I'm not sure if it's officiating or skill levels or whatever, I just am constantly finding league an easier game to watch uh, than rugby union. Yeah, well, I'm going to be biased and say it's absolutely the best game to watch. Um, I think we were actually talking about this yesterday. I was talking with um, a few colleagues and, and talking about rugby and the, the line-out drivers, Jamie mentioned, and they were saying ways to kind of combat it. Do we bring in different rules? And it was kind of like, the, the problem is there's so many rules that people don't understand, whereas I feel, and I might be a little biased, that league is just a little bit simpler. You still get absolute refereeing howlers in, in league, don't get me wrong, and, and things that you kind of are left scratching your head at, but it's just a simpler kind of concept, which is why I like it, and Jamie will, will have his view as well. But, yeah, it, it's, with everything that's gone on with red cards and super rugby and this weekend it was actually nice to look at the on-field stuff and, and get some good action there. But it just seems league is, is a simpler game to watch and it's cut and dry and people know where they stand. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the refereeing and rugby. You'd have to maybe ask Jamie about that. Well, I will. I will, uh, Jamie, to finish off this morning. Uh, you get more and more frustrated by the weekend. I mean, I, I just I watched the period of when Ben O'Keefe refereed the other night and in the space of about seven minutes or eight minutes, there was four penalties, one or two scrum resets, and I thought, really? Really? Oh, we're going to start talking about refereeing, Smith. You're going to need to block out another hour and a half or so, um, <laughs> keep me on the line. But I think just uh, one thing I had identified over the weekend, and, and Jimmy's right, like, there's howlers in both codes, uh, but I think um, it's much easier to, to look at uh, refereeing, howler, and the, also the NRL are pretty good at going like, okay, yeah, we got that one wrong. Uh, that shouldn't have been a penalty or that should have been a sinbin or, or whatever, because it's pretty, the the ability to look at rugby league rules and go, well, that you know, it's black and white there, whereas in rugby there seems to be a grey area, and the grey area is perpetuated by the fact that the referees are able to just interpret way more of it uh, than they possibly can. And I think a lot of the frustration is not so much the rules um, themselves. I think that people are just kind of getting used to the idea that there's going to be cards in each game. And I think we've seen the fact that it doesn't actually affect the the product too much uh, at all. Um, there's been some pretty good games uh, where recards have happened. My biggest issue with it is having to listen to four blokes who seem like the most boring people in the world, who you don't want to get stuck next to talking to a party, a bunch of accountants or something, having a boring-ass conversation about something, and it just completely kills the mood. Like, just do what the NRL does. Have a bunker, have a big screen, have someone push a button, and it adds to the excitement and the entertainment. Like, say what you want about the bunker, but it is still exciting. 
having having the referees sit there and just yarn on like they're just a bunch of dudes having a meeting at work is just such a killer. It is such an absolute killer. And that's if it was up to me, that's the one thing I'd change. I don't know how to change it, but I'd change that. Mm. Okay. Hey, Jamie, as you say, it's uh, it's worthy of two or three pints uh, before you even scratch the surface. So we'll do that one day to you and I. Jamie Wall, thank you very much. James Regan, also thank you very much this morning for your views on those particular subjects. Have another panel, same time, tomorrow morning. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.